are just delighted to be here today. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity, Pastor Ray and Carol, to come and be with you. Uh, I seem, I'm right at home. There's only one problem I have I can see right now. Uh, I need to come down here. Okay. If you want to bring that pulpit down. I've got to see the white of your eyes, and that light's a little bright for an old man. And uh, I can just see figures out there. But uh, I, I learned a long time ago that I have a particular gift that only operates when I can see people. <laughs> I remember years ago, I decided I was going to go on the radio. They said, be real simple. Thank you, Dave. It'd be real simple. Just uh, on your desk, just preach, turn on the recorder, the old-fashioned kind, and and uh, preach for 20 minutes, and then we'll put the first and the end of it. So I'm going to be a great radio preacher. So that worked well for about uh, maybe four or five weeks. But one day I was sitting there, and I fell asleep on my own message. <laughs> I literally fell asleep, and the thing that woke me up, the end of the tape went clickety, clickety, clickety. <laughs> I know, you say, that's the problem. I've got to see the white of their eyes, or I'm not going to be able to share what's on my heart. I want to thank you again. Yes, it's been uh, over half a century that we've known you and your wonderful family, your boys, and we're just delighted to be here. Uh, yes, my wife, uh, over, over four years ago, passed away, and I thought my life was over. I really did. I just figured that's the end of it. I... We were married actually 58 years. We were child married, you know. So, <laughs> but 58 years, and uh, I remember uh, going home from the home-going service. We had 1,800 people in a snowstorm come out to celebrate Edie's uh, entrance into heaven, and yes. I went home and I was just exhausted emotionally in every way, and I was sitting in my chair my easy chair with an empty house for the first time in my life, all alone, and I had my first pity party. You know what a pity party is, you know? You start feel, really feeling sorry, and I said, I'm through, I'm not gonna travel no more, I'm not gonna preach no more, I've done my job, and I'm just all through. I'm through, God, I'm through, I'm not traveling no more. When I heard my wife as though she was standing in front of me, now, it was all in my head, but it was so real, I could tell that she was not happy with me. And when you're married for 58 years, you know the tone of voice, don't you? <laughs> and I heard her say to me in my head, but it was real, now stop that. I finished my course, now you finish your course. And all of my daughters, I have four daughters, would call her mommy, and it was like she was looking down on me, rebuking me. And I said, okay, mommy, okay. <laughs> and I decided I'd finish my course, and, and then the Lord a couple years ago gave me a wonderful wife to help me uh, reach my goals in Christ. And that's why we're here. Otherwise, I'd be sitting in Portland with a pity party, feeling bad and sorry for myself. But God has just blessed us in the last number of years. And I am honored to be here. And uh, the Galligan family, let me tell you, if you're new here, they are the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. <laughs> I mean, you can count on them. They are great leaders. They're a great family. They're great people. And I am honored to say he is one of my sons and daughters in the faith. And uh, I am just delighted to be here. And I want to share with you <coughs> a word that uh, I almost felt you were preaching it while you were singing. All those powerful songs. I mean, if you realize what you were saying, that was the heart of Christianity. And uh, I want you to do something for me. I want you to at least take the notes down. Just take the scriptures down. Because I want to talk to you about something that's the absolute essential part of your Christian living. Uh, you don't have to be what I'm going to talk about. But I want to tell you, by my knowledge, over 60 years in ministry, pastored one church for 44 years, have sons and daughters all over the world preaching, the real key of Christian living is your attitude. And I want to talk to you about the power of a faith attitude. Now, there are three kinds of faith in the Bible. There's what we call saving faith. And I think all of us here, probably all of us, have experienced saving faith. You're saved uh, through grace by faith, not of your works, lest any man boast. So we all understand saving faith. I was saved by my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord. And I repented because that's what he said I had to do. And I wanted to clean up my life. Saving faith. Then in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, there's what we call the gift of faith. And the, the nine gifts of, of the Holy Spirit are there. One of them is the gift of faith. Now, the gift of faith is a little bit different than saving faith. It's faith that comes at a remarkable time when everything is impossible. You can't go one step further. You, you are facing the impossible task. And I think all of us, if we've lived any length of time with the Lord, know there are seasons when you get into a place where you need the gift of faith, you need that sudden impartation that I can go on and we're going to win. We're not going to lose. We're going to trust God. And that's the gift of faith. But the third one is what I call a faith attitude. Now, this is very important. Uh, it's, it's not some minor in a Christian's life. Though I, I find it often in Christians, they don't have a faith attitude. Now, they, they have saving faith, and once in a while the gift of faith kicks in. But it's the power of a faith attitude. Now, an attitude is this. It is determined by what you believe about any given situation or circumstance. It's what you believe. The word believe, as we know as Christians, is a powerful word. Uh, we sang it, I believe, I believe, I believe. The word belief and believe is taken from a, a Latin and a Greek word. The first part means to live in existence, be. It's the now present. <clears throat> believe, you don't wait till tomorrow, you, 
If you believe, you, you, you are alive. And the last part of the word means in accordance with. So you live in accordance with what you believe. If you don't have a, a faith position, if it's a, a fear position, you live in accordance with it. If you're, if you're uh, bitter, you live in accordance with it. That's why attitude is so important. <clears throat> faith attitude. So if you believed right now, and you really believed it, that somebody placed a bomb in one of these boxes over here, and that you've got 60 seconds to be out of here, uh, and you really believe that bomb was going to go off here and kill everybody in 60 seconds, what would you do? <laughs> you would say, I want to meditate about it. I want to think about it. No, we would be heading for those doors as fast as we could because that's what you believe. You live in accordance <clears throat> with what you believe. And so we as Christians have to have a Christ-like attitude on every situation. Every situation. And there's only one attitude that is acceptable to God. In Romans it says that... That whatever is not of faith is sin. Whoa. And I want to talk about that here for a few minutes. Whatever is not of faith is sin. In other words, fear, unbelief, all those things are what caused the first catastrophe in the garden, right? Remember the garden? Adam? The first problem man has is, hath God said... Is he trying to withhold something good from you? And Adam and Eve fell in the garden over unbelief. That's the number one sin. Now we say adultery and fornication and murder and stealing. They're, they're the horrible sins. From the, and they are horrible. But from God's view, the thing that cuts you off from the blessings that God has for you is unbelief. Right there. Because if you, you have a, a faith attitude, you're not going to do those things. That's just not going to ever be part of your life. You're not going to lie and steal and cheat and curse and hate and be full of bitterness. You're not going to be that way if you have a faith attitude. The Bible talks about over in, in Hebrews 3, I believe it's about verse 11, speaking of God's people. It wasn't speaking, uh, speaking of the unsaved or the lost or those that were not of Israel. But he says, my people had an evil heart of unbelief. Think of it. God looked at his people and was very upset with the children of Israel because they didn't believe him. And it cost them, what, 40 years in the wilderness because they did not believe. They did not act in accordance with God's word. And so they, they said, hey, there's giants in the land and the walled cities. And there's no way we can go and accomplish what we're supposed to do. Even though God said the land is yours and we can't, we can't do it, God, this is too big. And God called it an evil heart of unbelief. Now, none of us here would think about 
evil as unbelief, we would think about evil as, as stealing and murder and all those things. But looking from heaven's view, heaven's view says unbelief is evil. Now that, that don't, I don't know about you, but that shakes me up. That, that helps me guard my heart. For out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. For out of it are the issues of life. You actually uh, determine your future by your believing system. And it's a, an everyday 24-7 attitude. It's what you believe. Now, I know when we uh, walk in a faith attitude, we often see the giants. We see the walled city. We see the impossible. We see the negatives. And there are a lot of negatives around. Just We live in a pretty tough society right now. And there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen and the economics and, and all the different things that we're hearing about. And it's very easy to get your mind into that area of unbelief. We are believers. Is that right? We live in accordance with this book. This is the rule book. This is how you, how you play the game, although life's not a game. But if you, if you play football by tennis rules, it's not going to work, right? You, you play by the rule book. This is the rule book. This, this tells you all about your future and that tells you how you're to walk and how you're to think. And if you are a person where you think biblically on every situation, in other words, you apply the scriptures to every situation, how can you get bitter? I don't care if it's your boss and he cheats on you. If you hate him and get bitter towards him, you're going to defile your heart. That's what Hebrews says, that that a root of bitterness defiles. Is that right? It defiles you. So I can't afford bitterness. I can't afford to be defiled by unbelief. I have to believe the word against circumstances. Because I know sitting right here today that there's probably one-third of you are in pretty tough battle somewhere. And uh, I don't know, it could be physically, it could be spiritually, it could be financially, it could be relationally. So one-third, I, I just kind of know that as, as a pastor for decades. About one-third are in a battle, and one-third have just come out of the battle, and the other third is heading for one. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I mean, you just, it's just part of life. And uh, what you at, do during these changes of circumstances determine how you win or lose. And you can lose very easily if you lack the power of a faith attitude. Uh, you can go into a nursing home, I've done this in times past, to just pray for elderly people, infirm, nursing type home. And I can look at one person and I can see bitterness in them, you know? There they're sitting, maybe they're old. How you doing, Mom or Dad? Nah, I'm very good. You know what? You check it out. They had an incident happen years ago. They had a tragedy. It had an injustice, inequity. 
and they got bitter and they never let go of it. You can see the next person sitting there in their 90s even and, and you go up, how's it doing? Wonderful, it's a great day. You know they're free. They're old, but they're free. They're, they're, they have kept their heart in tune with believing right. Believing right. Now this is not just a little minor. Like I said, you can, you can just say, well, it's a nice sermon, the power of a faith attitude. But it's the very key of survival in an abundant life form. You can survive, but not in an abundant life. And this is what God wants us to understand, that, that we're responsible for our believing. We can decide, because we're not robots, and when the darkness hits us, what do we do? The just shall walk by feelings. <laughs> no, but see, feelings are okay because they were designed for certain things. Uh, uh, your mind, willing, emotion is the soul part of you, right? I don't know if you teach that, but I'm sure you do. Uh, so we have a soulish part of us, the mind, will, and emotions, which are based primarily on the five senses. Your sense of touch, your sense of smell, the sense of taste, sense of hearing, the sense of seeing. Now, I, I appreciate my five senses, and... Uh, and they're designed to help me through the natural part of life. Every single day you get up out of bed, about 50% of the things that happen you like. And about 50% of the things that happen during one day you don't like. And that's okay. I mean, you're a person. So you wake up, when the alarm goes off at 5.30, what do you say? Whoopie-doo! <laughs> No, oh no, I just got to bed. And then you smell the bacon and the coffee. Oh, that smells good. And we have a nice breakfast. You go out to get in the car and you got a flat tire. Oh no. And you have to fix the flat tire. You get to work, the boss calls you in and said, we're starting a new department. We want you to lead the department and we're going to double your wages. Woo! <laughs> At the end of the day, he brings you back in. We change our mind. Uh, we don't even need you around. You're fired. Goodbye. <laughs> isn't that a normal, I mean, that's extreme, but isn't that a normal way days go? I mean, but see, you can't allow your whole life to be guided by your soul. That's a soulish Christian. He lives by his feelings. And there's a lot of things we don't like. I mean, I'm not here to say it's peaches and cream. You know, and, you're, and God loves you so much. He's going to put you on a little silk pillow. And he's going to gently carry you all the way to heaven. No, no. He, he knows that you're not going to grow up that way. You're not going to be a man of strength or a woman of faith if you just give in to all your feelings. Or if you don't face the hard places. Hard places are actually part of God's plan to develop your faith. To give you strength and endurance. And you know the old saying, those that work out in the gym, no pain, what? No gain. <laughs> and that's the way it is in the spiritual world. If there's no pain, where you have to exercise faith and to trust God and to believe, uh, there's no gain. But you, we go from glory to glory. 
We go higher through the difficult times if we don't get bitter, if we don't get upset, if we don't get mad at God or mad at people. We get mad at people and we get mad at God. Sometimes we get mad at ourselves. But we trust the Lord. That's the power of a faith attitude. Years ago, in New York City, they interviewed 100 centurions. That's people that are a hundred or more. And there was a hundred of them because they wanted to find out what made them have longevity. Hundred year old, one hundred of them, at least a hundred or over. And they couldn't find any common denominator. They, some were immigrants, some were uh, wealthy, some were in poverty or lived in the poor side of life. Uh, some were PhDs, some didn't have even a grade school education. And they, all these things, they were all different. Everything was different. They couldn't find a common denominator until finally they found only one common denominator of those hundred centurions. They had, and we're, we're not talking Christianity now, we're just talking the, what the survey was. They had the ability to see something good in every person they met and something good in every situation. Now think of that. Now that's a secular survey of people who have longevity. They didn't live bitter lives. That's the bottom line. They, they were able, oh yeah, that guy's got a lot of talent. And this is, oh, but I know he's got a week here, but he's got a lot of talent here. That's the way God looks at us. He sees you with what he's given you. Not what you don't have, because there are, there are people that have one talent, and people have five talents, and people have ten talents, and we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. And so the power of a faith attitude is going to determine your long-term goals. It's going how you're going to get there. I remember reading a story about a little three-year-old, or not a three-year-old, but a little kid with a little puppy dog. And he had a string around it, and he had it out on the street, and he wanted to sell it. And, uh, and he had a little uh, sign on its little neck, on this little mutt, for sale, three cents. And uh, a friend of the little boy's came by and saw him stand there with his the little dog was dirty and all matted. And, and, just, and he's standing there trying to sell his son, you know what you should do? Take that little doggy home, that little puppy, and scrub it down real good and clean it up. Put a little bowl around its neck and come out here and, and take a good attitude towards that little puppy and you'll be able to sell it. So the little boy took it home. Mom wasn't there. She put it in the bathtub and hosed it down and took the hair dryer and fluffed it all up and put a bowl around its neck and put some of Mom's perfume on it and took it back out on the street, put a sign around it, for sale, $3,000. <laughs> the man that saw him, I told the boy to clean the little puppy up, saw him for sale, $3,000. Son, you really think that doggy is worth $3,000? Yeah, it's worth $3,000. He's real proud of it now. He had a different attitude, different attitude. 
Later, the gentleman came by and saw the, the, the sign laying on the sidewalk and sold written through it. And he's curious, you know, he wants $3,000, so he went over and knocked on the little boy's door, and the little boy happened to come to the door and said, Son, did you sell your dog? Yeah, I sold my dog. I said, How much did you get for it? $3,000. You got $3,000 for that doggy? Yeah. How and who would pay you $3,000? Well, he said, This little boy came down the street and he had two $1,500 cats I took on trade. <laughs> An attitude determines your direction, and it's every day. It's not just, you know, when you're having your fast, which I think is great, and Daniel fast or whatever you're on here, but it's every day, the power of a faith attitude. It's really, really a very important aspect. I'm going to give you a few scriptures in a moment, but it's a very important aspect of your walk is your attitude, your attitude. I said you can't trust your feelings, and it's really true. Your feelings will deceive you, your five senses. They will deceive you. And I remember years ago, Brother Kevin Connor, a great friend of mine, and I went to a large men's conference in Kansas City, Missouri. And it was about 5,000 men were there for this big men's conference, and we decided at the last minute we would go. So when we got to Kansas City, all the hotels were filled. And they said, I think there might be room over in that old hotel over town. Went there, and I, when I walked in, the floor squeaked. You know, it was so old, probably a hundred-year-old hotel. It was made out of wood, but it was a big one. And I said to myself, if this thing ever catches on fire, it's going to go up in a hurry. I did have that thought went through my mind. I was there that night about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I heard a siren off in the distance. I woke up. I said, that sounded like a fire. I ran over to the window and I couldn't see down to the bottom because I'm up about 12 floors but I saw a red light flashing against the neighbor building saw this and boy my heart just sunk I'm up here 12 floors in this old wooden hotel it's a hundred years old and I'm scared just you know I've never been in a hotel fire before and this is the wrong one to be in up here and I remember kind of walking in a circle. What do I do? You know, what do I, what do, what do, I do? Well, I was in my underwear, and I have a little modesty, so I slipped on my trousers. I don't have anything on top part. And uh, you kind of, in moments like that, you know what's important. I, I did grab my Bible for some reason, and I had a little uh, partial uh, dental piece, and I'm too tight to leave it there. So, I, <laughs> so I, I stuck it in my mouth. And then I began to smell the smoke. I could actually smell the smoke. I heard the siren. I saw the red light. Now I'm smelling smoke in my room. 
I go to the door and then I remember you got to be careful. You don't open the door because the fire, if it's in the hallway, could rush right in. So I cracked it and I could see layers of smoke down the hall. Oh God, this place is on fire. And you know, here I am, half naked, my Bible, no shoes on. I, I go to the elevator and then I remember you don't go take an elevator down uh, during a fire because you didn't get trapped. So the only other thing I could do is go down 12 floors barefoot on steel girders round and around. I expected the firemen to be any moment coming up the stairs round and around, 12 floors is a lot, you know, round and around and around. But I didn't feel the pain or anything. I was getting out of there. Finally, I got down to the last floor. Nobody had come up the floor. I burst into the lobby, this old rickety lobby. And behind the desk was an old man kind of looking down his nose, half asleep, at this naked preacher. <laughs> no fireman. I heard it. I saw it. I smelled it. I went outside that way because I knew there was a fire. I, I mean, I saw the flash anyway. And there was a fire truck out there and putting the fire out of a little booth for the, where they park cars. And that's all it was. But see, my mind and my, my five senses went kooky. I, so when I went back up, I, I took the elevator up. <laughs> but but I, I thought... I smelled smoke. I thought I saw it. And when I looked different at it, there was no smoke, no layers, and there was no fire. I say that because you cannot rely on your five senses when you walk with the Lord. If you rely on your five senses, you're going to give up very easy. You're going to be full of unbelief. You're going to throw the towel in. You're not going to be able to go forward. And let me read a few scriptures here now. These scriptures are, are part of what really determines the power of a faith attitude. Proverbs 6, 2. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You're taken captive by the words of your mouth. Your mouth is more creative than you, under, you understand. How did God create the world? For God said, and we are created in the image of God, right? Yes. And so our words are powerful. Yes. They, they are creative. Listen to this scripture, Matthew 12, 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever your heart attitude is, that's why I said guard your heart. For out of it are the issues of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man from the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth good things. And the evil man out of the evil treasures uh, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idol, and that means uh, wasted, means uh, incorrect, idol, it has no value. Well, that man speaks, he will give an account of that in the day of judgment. That's pretty heavy right there. I don't even like to think about all my bad words. 
but God forgives us. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. That's a powerful scripture. Now, when we talk about the power of a faith attitude, we have to connect it with our words. It's not just a mental thought. It may start there. That's the heart. But then it comes out of our mouth. Listen to this scripture, Proverbs 4.20. Proverbs 4.20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. This is the word of God now. Keep the word in the midst of your heart. Why? For this is life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Isn't that a powerful scripture? I mean, that's why every day you should eat some of this. Every day you should be, have a good hamburger, a spiritual hamburger, and eat the word of God. Feed your spirit. That's what you're doing. Feed your heart from out of the abundance of the heart. But if, if the word is not in you, then what do you say? I remember when I was a, a teenager, uh, my dad was very, very, uh, he believed in child abuse. You understand what I mean by that? <laughs> the old-fashioned way. And uh, we lived uh, as a Christian, of course, but a very legalistic life. It seemed like, to a young person, everything that was fun was sin. And, and that was kind of the way I was raised. But the worst part was he wouldn't let me go out for competitive sports. That was sin. That was pride level showing up. I want to be the winner. And I wound up very insecure because a legalistic uh, lifestyle and a very... Uh, heavy-handed father. He, he believed in, in uh, whipping you uh, right up to I was 17 years old. You know, today they'd probably throw him in jail. But, <laughs> but uh, I probably needed those whippings, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't like my dad. I, I, I didn't have a good relationship to him. Now, God helped me correct that, and it's not only as an illustration. And I loved my dad after I went and we adjusted things there. But I was very, very weak in faith because I thought God was against me, you know? I mean, every time, because I was in a legalistic church, every time I had a bad thought, if Jesus would come, I'd go to hell forever. You know, I just kind of lived this kind of lifestyle as a child growing up. And... uh I remember when God changed my life. I was 19 years old. I was very insecure. I felt a call to the ministry. I didn't know how that would ever work out because I didn't have a good attitude. I didn't have a faith attitude. And I did something, I, you might just think about this. I took, when I was 19 years old, I'm 82 now. I know I look 59, but I'm 82 years old. <laughs> And I took 30 promises of God and I memorized all these promises of God. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches, glory of God before. We sang a bunch of them up here today. And I, I memorized them as a 19-year-old 
And I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was programming my computer. You hear me? By memorizing the scripture. That's why the word is so important. If you're going to have a faith attitude, your faith has to rest on something. And if it's not the word of God, then it's going to rest on your feelings. It's your emotions and and what I think about this, the negative. See? So I, I, I memorized those 30 scriptures. And I didn't realize what I was actually doing by doing so. But for the last 60-some years now, since that day, when a circumstance comes up in front of me, I find the computer clicks into one of those scriptures. If I'm lacking finances, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm going to see through this financial problem. If I feel weak, the Lord is my strength. If I feel opposition, if God be for us, who can be against us? And so I actually didn't realize what I was doing, but I was I had filled my computer, my brain, with all the promises of God. Why do you think there's Six, seven thousand promises in this book. It's not just a, an accident. He put them there to give us a faith attitude because every little situation, you can't just look and say, well, I'm not to buy that house. Oh, really? It's not in the book, is it? So you have to, you have to go and look at your heart. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Your heart. He's the umpire. Yeah. Now, this is a simple thought. It's a simple truth. But God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. In my earlier part of my life, my 20s, I was in business. And I was a buyer. And... Uh, uh, I would buy to sell. And I found that scripture was part of my computer, let the peace of God rule your heart. And I say this for somebody right now. When you go to make a transaction of any major kind, not, you know, what suit should I wear today? A lot of people get really out there in no man's land. But you're going to make a major decision. You're going to move, we're going to buy, we're going to spend, we're going to go. It, it, you should use your little natural intellect to analyze it. I did, where the market is and so on. But then you should always look at your heart. Do you feel peace about going that direction? Every time I violated that, as I can remember, and I could give you a lot of illustration, every time I'd violate it, oh, this has got to be good, this is... This is a good deal. This is, and I would go against my heart. My heart says, leave it alone. Uh-uh, there's something wrong here. Somewhere I would end up in a loss. But I could see in business, it's profitable. And my heart says, do it. And I would find, even if it looked like I couldn't, that would turn out good. I say this because that's part of allowing the power of a faith attitude. If you believe God's word, 
then you live in accordance with it. And he said one of the things, and it's, a, it's worth you coming if you just put this little thought into your spirit. Let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God rule. And uh, it, I've seen it work over and over again. I, I want to give you a, a few other scriptures. Uh, I want you to turn to what I call one of my favorite scriptures. It's over in Romans. And I know if I read it, you're going to say, oh, I've read that many times. But you've got to remember, faith, write this down if you're taking notes, faith comes by hearing. But faith is released by speaking. Yeah. Now that'll help you. Faith comes by hearing. That's why this is so important. But faith is released by speaking. Faith is not released just because you think. No, words are powerful. Words are essential. What you say reflects your heart. And so if it's a heart of unbelief, oh, I don't know where God is. I don't think this is going to work. I'm not. God isn't in this. I'm sorry, but I don't like that person. I'll never trust him again. I'm I'm mad. Hey, you're slipping into a secular worldly view by trying to live by your your senses. Uh, it's interesting, the Son of God, which the Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Word, the Word, the Word. When Jesus, the Son of God, sinless, was confronted by the adversary. How did he respond? It's in Luke 4. It is written. Now he had been fasting 40 days. And he was hungry. And the devil said, if if you're the son of God, turn those stones into bread and feed yourself. If. Now he's hungry. He, he knows he has miraculous power given to him by the Father. But he says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only go where the Father tells me to go. If Jesus Christ, sinless Son of God, had to use the word, it is written. Three different times he was tested. It is written. It is written. It is written. Do you think you're going to live by your own words or you're going to live by his word? I mean, this is the essence of Christianity. It's not just a matter of getting saved and going to heaven someday. You've got to live it down here. And this is where it counts. I want you to turn over to Romans. This is the final verse, uh, scriptures. I shouldn't say that. I probably have one more after this. You ever hear a pastor say, or, and finally, don't believe him. <laughs> Romans 10, 8. I want you to hear the, the word factor here, the voice factor. Uh, well, let's start at verse 6. For the righteousness of faith speaks. Faith speaks. If you mark your Bible, you underline that. Now, It does not say, and it starts in your heart, 
the, the faith that speaks. It doesn't say, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Why doesn't it say? Because he's already come. Yeah. You, you, you're denying his, his existence. In verse 7, or who shall descend into the abyss or hell, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Why? Because he's already rose. So we don't say he's dead because he's alive. We don't say he didn't come because he came. Now it goes on and says, and I want you to notice the word say. But what does faith say? The word is not near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth, Faith is released by the mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, connect the words with your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And this word salvation is a very interesting word. In the Greek it means you will be delivered, you will be healed. You will do well. You will prosper. It, it, the word salvation is kind of an all-inclusive. This means you won't go. It means it. You won't go to hell. You go to heaven. But it means much more than that. It's how you live your life. The scripture says, as you have received Christ. How was that? I confessed him as my Lord and Savior. So walk ye in him. As you, the principles that you conceive, Christ as your Lord is how you live. It's how you walk. Right. You, you walk as a man or woman of faith. And, uh, and if you do that, whatever your needs are, if it lines up with the word, then that's what you say. Now, if it doesn't have, you know, well, you probably wouldn't think, but I, I want a new Mercedes. Well, I don't necessarily think that's God's will. And if you judge your heart, you'll say, oh, I'm going to pay for it. Well, I, I've seen people get so swinging so far to the extreme. They said, I'm believing God for a new Mercedes. I'm believing God for a moon. And they put the picture of the new Mercedes on the refrigerator. And every morning, I believe for that new Mercedes. I believe, I believe for that new Mercedes. Guess what? You can get it. With $800 payments for the next three years. <laughs> so we're not talking about that. We're talking about life. We're talking about you overcoming the impossible situations. That you can have the, the, the power of a faith attitude. One last scripture. This is my last scripture. Mark eleven twenty two to 23. You remember this one. If there's a mountain in front of you, now it's not a physical mountain, it's not going to cast that big mountain away, but it's a, a mountain that's in front of you right now. Right now. You're sitting, I said one-third of you have a mountain you're facing right now. I know that. That's just kind of the pattern of life as we grow. Whosoever shall say, shall say unto this mountain, of doubt, this mountain of fear, this mountain of no supply, 
of financial lack, this mountain of a physical problem, this mountain of a relational problem. Whosoever shall say unto the mountain that's in front of you, be removed, shall say it and be cast into the sea. You shall have, according to the scripture, if you don't doubt, whatever you say. That's right there, isn't it? That is the pattern of Christian living. Because I'm going to have mountains. I've had mountains. I've had a lot of mountains. And, and uh, sometimes I didn't have faith to speak to that mountain. And that mountain just about crushed the life out of me. But every time I will get into a faith attitude against my mountain and say, Mountain, out of my way in Jesus' name. And will not doubt what I say. That mountain will suddenly become a little molehill that you'll step on and walk through. Now, I don't know why God sent me here this weekend. I'm out 30 to 40 churches a year and international travels. But for some reason, God put me here for these few minutes to speak the power of a faith attitude. I know this church. Uh, by the way, I'm an elder at large, so I always check in on Pastor Ray, how things are going, and, and I know God is with you. I've watched you uh, for years now, and uh, I know that you rough go through your rough waters, but I want to say right now to all of you who are here that you're in a safe place. These people are godly people. They have proven it now for a half a century. As a kid, you've come up, loved the Lord. Carol, knew her and her family, loved the Lord. Uh, I've watched their boys, and I noticed them up here in the worship team, which was beautiful. This is a great church. And I just wanted to come and affirm you that I, I've been around a lot of places. Size is not what counts. It's quality what counts. This is a church of faithful leaders and faithful people. And so let's plug into the power of a faith attitude. Your mountains need to be spoken to. Whatever they are, you need to speak to your mountain and say mountain of doubt, mountain of fear, mountain of questioning, mountain of, of relational problems. In Jesus' name. You're not going to take us down. We're going across. We're going to make it. Amen? Okay. Would you stand to your feet? And I want to pray for you. They say I'm an apostolic brother. Well, I don't get in titles. But if I am, I'm going to pray an apostolic prayer over you. Is that okay? And I believe that God hears my prayers. I've watched him do a lot of great things. And I, like I said, you're here by the will of God. Right now, you're on time. Close your eyes and put your hand on your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come thanking you for your presence today. We are grateful, Lord, that you brought us together into this place. You have spoken to us. You have talked to us. 
You have taught us your ways. And Lord, we will walk in your ways. We will do what you have called us to do with, with joy. Even if the road gets rough, we know you're always there. And if there's misunderstanding, that you can correct it. You're above our circumstances, so we want to come above ours. Lord, we ask right now that the peace of God would rule in this house and that, Lord, in the days to come, you have a harvest for this house. And we're all reapers of that harvest. We know people that need to be here. They need the presence of the Lord. They need the word of the Lord. And so, Lord, let there be an impartation in this season of the church as they're waiting on you, that you are going to do something unique and wonderful through every single person who has their hand upon their heart. For out of the heart are the issues of life. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We will speak to the mountains of doubt. Yes. We will speak to the mountains of fear. Thank Be gone. Yes, Lord. And let faith arise yes. in this house. Amen. Let the word of God Jesus. be put into our thoughts and minds until that's all we can say to every situation. It is written. Yes. It is written. It is written. It is written. Lord, in every area, of the people of God. Bless them. Yes, Lord. Open the doors of opportunity. Thank you, if it's employment, open the doors. Lord, we come with, as our faces differ, Jesus. so do our needs differ. But you are the unchangeable God that will bring to pass every purpose that you have, which is a future, a hope, and a destiny. Lord, we thank you right now. If there be any here that are, are, are being shaken by the devil's tactics, right now we, yes. we speak to that mountain of doubt. Yes. Be gone. We are here by God's will. We are doing the will of God, and we're going to continue to do the will of God. Lord, bring into this house uh, those that need the presence of God as we experience today. Yes those that need to be discipled, those that need to, to come under the covering of this house. Bring them in, Lord, throughout this whole region. Thank you for the opportunity to stand alongside yes. the Pastor Ray and Carol and the leaders of this church. We just thank you for what you're going to do. We, we look forward to 2013. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a year we're going to overcome and rise above everything the devil tries to throw at us. We are more than conquerors. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you that this church is known as a church of faith, of trust, of believing God's word. We commend this group and those that have their hand on their heart and they know they're walking through a, a... a situation, Lord, let them speak to that mountain right now in the name of Jesus. Be removed from our path, for we're going forward. We're going to do the will of God. We commit this house into your hands. Continue to guide them. 
and open the doors of opportunity. Let this be the best year that this house has ever experienced in growth, in maturity, in answers to prayer, in signs and wonders, that miracles will happen because we are a people of faith. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. And all the people said amen. Come on, let's give God a shout.